NASA astronaut Commander Scott Kelly returned back to Earth after 340 days in space. I mean, can you imagine that? He set a, a, a new world record almost an entire year in space just to study the human body, to study what happens when there's no gravity for that long, uh, to study different things like what can grow in space, all these scientific experiments. And he's up there living in that in a small confined space. Think about this, no concerts, no going out to eat on a date or, a, or dinner with friends, no, no uh, outdoor events, no walks in the park, uh, no throwing frisbee with your dog. All the things that we enjoy and the things that we think about, we think about having a great time or a great night or a great Sunday afternoon or weekend, uh, totally stripped away 340 days in a refrigerator. I mean, that's what it had to feel like. And in fact, some of you, like right now, you probably even feel like some, you can identify with that. I mean, so we've been stuck at home for quite a while now without some of these things. In fact, I saw someone share a meme the other day that is one of those things like share your last picture of what it was like before COVID. And so, I mean, we can kind of get this idea of what he was going through and, and what they were doing. But this is, this is some crazy stuff. When you're in space for 340 days with no gravity, it changes a lot of things about your human body. So when you come back to Earth, and I watched this cool documentary with Scott Kelly. When you come back to Earth, what's, what's really crazy is that these guys, because they haven't been able to really use their legs, because there's no gravity pulling them down, uh, it's really difficult to walk. And in fact, NASA says that just 11 days in space can deteriorate. Can, can, there could be up to 20% atrophy to your leg muscles in just 11 days. And here is Commander Scott Kelly in space for 340 days. So you can imagine his re-entry to Earth, his coming back to Earth, his coming back home had to be different. I mean, and almost even disorienting. Uh, they talk about the, the pressure and like when there's no gravity, how everything is just kind of free and floating, which we see in that. And you've probably seen little videos and clips of that. But then when you come back to Earth after being gone for so long in space, that the gravity feels like a pressure. It feels like almost a, like a 600 pound man is sitting on his chest as he's trying to breathe. Just little things like that that change uh, your perspective when you come back or you're re-entering into the Earth's gravity, into to Earth. And so uh, but this is not just including the physical things, even the emotional and relational things. I mean, thinking about only being able to see a few people every day, all day. I mean, this, this three, uh, an entire year of just a few people. Um, so just this incredible, uh, this incredible process of re-entry for these astronauts, learning to walk, regaining strength in their basic muscles, learning how to interact with their friends and spouse and, and kids. They come back disoriented, to say the least. And what they used to know as normal is not as normal as what they thought. It feels different. And there's this yearning to be back home. Yet, even though there's a yearning, it's not always easy. And I believe there's probably some of you that are feeling the same way right now. There's a yearning inside of you to see some things come back and see some things feel back, maybe feel whole or maybe feel uh, put back together. And you're wandering around in your own personal cosmos. Maybe you're not in space floating around, but in your own life. You're going like, man, what, what's the meaning of this? Maybe you feel lost or, or maybe you feel disconnected and you're floating through time and space and it feels like there's not a lot of things inside your control and you're just having just to respond to what's happening around you. And just like Scott Kelly came back into earth and there was a reentry process of trying to find home and regain and, and reconnect with the people he loved, I think that can happen to us as well. 
And in fact, I believe there's many of us that do that, that we feel far from home, maybe you feel lost, not having a place to belong, not having a place to feel loved, not having a place to grow and to gain strength spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. I know this is true because I've been there. I've, I've felt at times disconnected from everything around me, wondering, lost, not sure what my next step was or where I should go, and feeling like I'm just existing. And in fact, we've all been there. And in fact, I know that we've all been there because that's where we all start from. In Genesis, uh, we see that God creates this perfect earth in Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the, the heavens and the earth. He creates light and water and, and, and humanity, Adam and Eve and, and all the, the fish in the sea and all the animals in this beautiful creation. And he created it just so he could spend time with his creation, with the people that he loved the most, Adam and Eve, humanity. And so Adam and Eve are there, and, and God tells Adam and Eve, hey, you can do anything you want, eat anything you want, have fun, enjoy this. This is for your enjoyment. All I want to do is spend some time with you here. And he tells them, just don't do one thing. There's, there's a tree over there. Don't go eat from that fruit. That's the only thing that you're not supposed to do. And so, of course, Adam and Eve, they, they go through their life and they're going through these days and all of a sudden there's a tempter and there's a, a snake, a serpent that tempts Eve into to eating from this fruit. And this is what he tells her. He says, hey, if you eat this fruit, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be enlightened. In fact, you're going to know everything. You're going to know what's right and what's wrong. It's the, knowledge, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You're going to have this epiphany and you're going to be like God. So Eve takes a bite and she takes it to Adam and Adam takes a bite and then God comes back wanting to hang out with his kids again and then here they are hiding from God. And, and so we see this conversation and God talks to them and, and he says, why are you hiding? And they say, well, you know, we weren't really hiding. There's this whole thing back and forth. And God tells him, he says this, he says, hey, you did the one thing I asked you not to do. In Genesis chapter three, verse 23, it says this. So God expelled them from the garden of Eden. And he sent them to work the ground in the same dirt at which they were made. So God says, hey, I love you, but man, I told you not to do this. And because you did this, now you're going to be separated from me. So sin pushed them out. And just like sin pushed them out, sin pushes us out. It keeps us separated from God. In fact, we're born as sinful people. And Adam and Eve, from that moment on, they were homeless. And every generation after that has been homeless when it comes to our spiritual relationship with God. That we're, we're lost, we're wandering, we're looking. And, and I know I've been there and you've been there because that's how we're all born with this nature, this sin nature. We're outside of God's original intent, which is to be in relationship with Him. So how do we find our way back? How do we find our way back into relationship? How do we find our way back home? How do we find our way back to God's intent and his original plan and to be part of his family? You know, for some of us, we've never, maybe you're watching this today and you've never been a part of God's family. You, you've never been uh, a follower of God, a follower of Jesus. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. For some of us, maybe you have, but you've walked away and you find yourself remembering kind of what it was like and maybe you're kind of like Scott Kelly coming back. You have memories and thoughts of what that could be like, but it's not current. It's not real. It's not your current norm. And then there's some of us that have never known that. We, we've never known what it's like to belong to the family of God. And in this series, it's my desire to help you on your path to reentry, on your path to what I believe is God's will for your life, which is to be in relationship with Him 
and to be in the family of God and to be in the kingdom of God. So today let's look at Luke chapter 15 verses 11 through 24. We're going to look at a really popular story here. You maybe have heard this story or read this scripture before and it's the story of the prodigal son. And it says this in Luke 15, 11. It says, and he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So this younger son comes up to the father, says, I have an inheritance. I have something that, that you owe me, that, that I'm due, that I've deserved because I'm your son. He says, I want it now. And what you don't know and maybe don't see in the scripture is based off the times and, and the, the seasons and the, the culture that was in place there, that that inheritance didn't get passed down into the sons until the father had passed away. So this inheritance and the, the idea was that it's not just the dad's money that he's going to give you, that he set aside. It's not your college fund that he's gotten a trust fund someday. This is the family business. And the inheritance is property, it's animals, it's livestock, it's a trade, it's, it's a house, it's different things. And so when a son comes to the father and says, I want what you owe me, in essence, what he's saying is this, to ask for the father's inheritance while the father is still alive is to wish him dead. To ask for the father's inheritance while the father is still alive is to wish him dead. It's a quote from Timothy Keller. It says this, basically, this is what the son was saying. I want your stuff but I don't want you. And so this son, I mean, this is a slap to the face of the father because for the father to be able to give the son this inheritance in the form of money would mean that the father would have to walk in shame and sell all of this stuff. The people in the town would have known what was going on. Yet the father, because he loves the son, he does this. He divides the property between them. In fact, the word property in Greek here is the word bios, which literally means life. So the father divided his life between his two sons. Everything that he had ever worked hard to, to create, all that he had, all that he loved, and all that he had worked and, and created, all these things, he says that, that when the son asked for those things, basically what he's asking for is everything that the father had worked to produce. And so imagine the pain. I mean, the, the, the feeling of rejection from the father. This father had worked his entire life to give his kids the best life to give his kids everything that they could ever want or think or imagine. And here's the son saying, I can't even wait till you're dead. I want it now. I mean, the pain, the, the, the hardship, the, the embarrassment, the shame that the father must have felt that the son would treat him that way. So then it goes on to tell us in verse 13 that not many days later, the young son gathered all that he had and he took the journey into the far country and he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine came across the country and he began to be in need. So then the, the son, he went out and he hired himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself. So you got this story and, and in this story we see now the Jesus is telling, now the son has gone and he squandered everything. He's, he's spent everything. He's had parties. He's had nights out. He's had all these crazy things. He's, in fact, the older brother, if you read on in the story, says that he was just wasting it, partying and doing all kinds of frivolous things. So son does all those things. And now he has a moment where he's face to face with his reality. I did all of that. Now I have nothing and no one. 
And for some of us, the way that we're going to re-enter, the way that we're going to find ourselves back in the arms of God, back in his church, back in his family, for some of us, the first thing that we need to do is we need to get real with our reality. Just like this son, he had the moment, he looked around and goes, this isn't good. I'm hungry. I want to eat what the pigs are eating. I have no friends. It says here that, that no one was there to give him anything. And then it says, but when he came to himself, so he had this moment, he realized, here he's talking to himself, realizing he has no friends left. That the people he thought were friends, that he was hosting these parties and doing different things, the people he thought were in his life and that loved him and cared for him, when he hit rock bottom, found out that none of them were there and none of them cared for him. And so for some of us, we need to take account for where we are, for who we're with, for what's going on, for where our life is heading and what we're currently in. And, and for some of us, maybe the reason we can't find ourselves re-entering into this relationship that God wants for us, this, the good things that God wants for us, is because we're not willing to hold up a mirror and go, where am I really? Who am I really? What's really going on? We need to get real with our reality. So the son, he recognized that he was in need, he was hungry, he was broken, he was alone, and he had no home, nowhere to belong. I imagine when he was out paying for the parties and the drinks and the food that he had friends everywhere, but now he had nothing and no one. And in fact, Hebrews 11 tells us that the pleasures of sin, that pleasures, think about that word there, the pleasures of sin. So sin is fun. A lot of the things that, that we call sin in the Bible, a lot of things that God says don't do, they're actually fun, they're enjoyable, but this is what it says in Hebrews 11, the pleasures of sin, the pleasures of sin only last a season. See, here's the reality. The world, sin will take all that you have and give you nothing in return. The world will take all that you have and give you nothing in return. This is what happened with the son. He had this large inheritance. His father had given him probably thousands of dollars, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. And yet just a short time later, he finds himself with nothing. And this is what the world does. It takes all that you have and gives you nothing in return. It's the same thing in Genesis. If you remember the story about the snake, the serpent that was tempting Eve, and it did this exact same thing. If you just eat this apple, if you just eat this piece of fruit, we always say apple because that's what's always in the pictures and the cartoons, but it just, we just know it's a fruit. But if you just eat this fruit, it's what the, the serpent told her. You'll be like God. But what happened, not only was she not like God, she was actually kicked out of, and so was Adam kicked out of the garden. We're actually displaced from our original tent to be in relationship and in family with God. So his father, he has an inheritance for the son, and the son wanted it, and he spent it hoping and believing that he would find more than what he already had. In pursuit of trying to find more, he actually lost everything. And I think this is the deception of the enemy. This is the deception of the world is this is give up what you've been given and we'll give you more. And this is what the, the, the serpent told Eve is give up what you've been given. The, God told you you can have all of this stuff, but if you give up that and take a bite of this, you'll actually get more. And this is the deception of our world. This is the deception of sin is do what you want. Give up what God wants for you. Give up what God's promised you. Step away from, from the beliefs and the foundations and the truths of God's word and do what you want. Live the life you want. And if you do that, what you're going to find is actually it's better and bigger than what you ever thought or imagined. But if you're anything like me, maybe you've tried some of that and you find out it's not exactly like that. And in fact, it feels like the more that you give the world, the more it takes from you. 
And this is where the son found himself in the pursuit of finding more. He actually found himself wandering, lost, homeless, hopeless, and without belonging. And he recognized, it says that he came to himself. In verse 17, when he came to himself, it said this, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but here I am and I perish with hunger. But I will arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So the son made a plan. He said, I'm going to do these three things. And these are three challenges for you. If, you, if you're looking to re-enter, to come back into a, a right standing, a good relationship with God, there's three things that you need to do today. Is the first thing he says, I've got to go. I've got to get up out of where I am and I've got to go to where he is. And I want to challenge you, if you're watching this today, you're listening to this today, man, one of the great places that you can go to reconnect with God, to find a place home and right standing with God is church. So the, the, the son, he goes, I, I've got to go to the father. That's the first thing. And the second thing, he says, I've got to confess him. I've got to tell him, Father, I've wronged you. I've wronged heaven and I've wronged you. And when we go to God, we've got to be willing to confess our sins, to say, this is where I've screwed up. This is, this is where I've made mistakes. And I'm being real with my reality. I came to you, now I'm telling you where I'm at. And then the last thing it says the son did, it says, I'll be one of your hired servants. In essence, what he's saying is, I'll surrender and I'll submit to you. And that's the third thing we've got to do is be willing to submit to God's kingdom and recognize that his ways are higher than our ways, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And if he says that we should do something, maybe we should do it because maybe he's got our best interest in mind. And we've seen that from the very beginning of time, how God created a perfect earth for us. He wanted so many good things for us, then we messed it up. And then he still loved us so much in spite of humanity, continue to spiral into sin and the darkness and do the things that are not like God God still said, I love you, and he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus comes, and he makes a way for us to now have life with him. And that's how much God loves us. So we know that God loves us. We know that the Father loves us. We know that he cares for us. We know that he wants us to do something great and wants to be part of his house, his home, his kingdom. But in verse 20, it says this. So that's the son's plan. He says, I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to submit to his kingdom. So the son, he says, he rose up in verse 20 and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. What does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about our father? Is that the father is looking for our return. He, he's, he's ready. He's anxious. He, he misses us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants us to be part of his family. I want you to be part of God's family. We want you to be part of you. We want you to be part of the church. And this is what God is wanting. And this is what we see. The Father sees him from a long way off. I'm going to go back and do it again. And he rose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him. What does this tell us? It tells us the father is looking. He's anxiously waiting. He desires to be with us. In fact, he's looking around because he loves us. He cares for us. And he's waiting for us to come back to him. That's how much God loves us. And it says, and then it says, the father felt compassion. This tells us it's more than just the anxious waiting. This means he's, he's, he's yearning. There's this compassion that's inside of him. And it says, the father that he ran out to meet his son. And this is what I love about God is that God is willing to meet us in our mess. 
The son didn't get all the way to the house. The son wasn't able to shower and, and prepare his words and to do everything perfectly. When the father saw the son, it says he felt compassion and he ran. God is willing to meet us in our mess. All we've got to do is be willing to go. And Father God will meet us there. And it says he, when, the, when the father saw the son, that he embraced him and he kissed him. And this is a sign in, in this culture. It's a sign of enduring. This is a sign of belonging. You didn't just go kiss everybody. This is something you would do for someone you loved and cared about. So in essence, the father's already telling him before a word is spoken, I love you. I miss you. You have a place here. And the son said to him, so son's, he's getting ready. He's got a speech, right? He, right. He, he, remember, he came to himself and he came up with the plan. So now I'm here, I'm standing before my dad and I'm ready to break it down. I'm going to break it down for my dad and maybe if I'm lucky, he'll let me be a hired servant. So he goes on, he says this, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, did you catch that? So the son's plan was to go and, and to confess to his father, I've sinned and then to make himself, to offer himself to be a hired servant. But watch what happens here. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The son doesn't even get a chance to, to offer his, his part, to say, how can I buy back my debt? I'll be a servant. The son doesn't get to that. The father cuts him off and says, the father said to his servants, uh, be quick, get the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand, put shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found and they begin to celebrate. So the son had a plan. I'm, I'm going I'm to apologize. And then if I'm lucky, father will let me work this off. But here's what the father does. Father doesn't even have to hear the plan. He's just so excited to see the son. He goes, son, you're completely restored. What was broken, I'm going to restore. What was lost, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing back to be found. Uh, what, what was where you were homeless, now you have a home. The son was completely restored, embraced, and loved, and celebrated. And, and, and people, this is, this is God. If you've ever wondered, how is God in heaven looking down at me? If you ever thought to yourself, like, this is my life, and this is what I've been doing, this is how I've lived, and these are my choices, and these are my beliefs, and thought, there's no way that God could love me. This son spat in his father's face, took the inheritance, wasted it. And it says that he couldn't even, in this story, we see that he couldn't even get out his full explanation, couldn't even get out his full apology. All he had to do was turn towards the father and the father restored everything. People today, if you're watching this, you're listening to this, this is what God wants to do for you. You think you need to do a certain amount of things, but all God is looking for you to do to re-enter into his family, into, into the kingdom of God and to find a home it's just to turn towards him and he'll take care of the rest. Just as a son longed to be home, back with his father, back to where he belongs, you have a longing inside of you to come back home, back to your heavenly father, back to where you belong. See, in fact, inside, I believe inside of each one of us, inside of every one of us, those of you watching, listening, those of you part of what we're doing here, I think anyone in, in the earshot of my voice, there's, a, there's a, something inside of you, maybe even right now, that's telling you, I, I, I want to find home. I want to find a place to belong. I want to find a place where my past mistakes can, can be overlooked and I can be loved and embraced in spite of who I am. And I want to tell you, there's a place that you can do that. It's called the kingdom of God. It's called the arms of God. 
And just as the father looked at the son and says, I welcome you home and run towards you, he's running towards you right now. All you have to do is turn towards him. So here's my challenge to you today. Don't be alone when you can belong. Don't deal with it when you can be healed from it. And just come back home. You see, I think so many times in humanity, we learn to deal with things and just shelf things and process things. And we don't really, we don't really find that restoration or that healing, that hope. I wanna, I wanna encourage you today, quit dealing with things. Quit trying to fix things on your own and just come back home. Whether you grew up in church or you've never been, humanity began in the presence of God. Humanity began in the presence of God in the Garden of Eden. Sin pushed us out. And since that moment, God has been calling us back into relationship, into his family, and into eternal purpose and hope. And that's what God's calling for you today. God's arms are wide open, just like the Father. And he's just waiting for you to turn towards him. So if you found yourself wandering and lost, I want to encourage you just to turn towards God. Today, if you say, John, that's me, man. I, I'm, I'm far from God. In fact, maybe I've been around God. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you haven't. But you can recognize right now, I've been wandering without purpose, without hope, not really sure what tomorrow is going to hold and not really sure why I'm doing what I'm doing. And you maybe find yourself in a, in a, in a season of re-entry. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, just do this. Romans 10, Romans 10 tells us this. If we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, then we're saved. So all you have to do today is just turn. Believe, confess, turn, believe, confess. That's what the son did. He went to the father and then he confessed. And so that's all you have to do today. So do this, just pray this prayer with me today. Say, dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that your arms are always open. Thank you that even today, if I turn to you, God, you'll come running after me. God, I thank you that you love me, even in spite of all I've done. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I believe in Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, this is what I want you to do. I want you to text this. Text the word Jesus saves with no space to 97,000. And here's why. I believe the decision that you made today to come back home. And maybe, like I said, maybe you're coming back. Maybe you've been in church some, but you've not really had a right relationship with God. Maybe you've never been. doesn't matter where you're at in, the, in this camp. I want you to do this. Text that because we got a gift we want to send you. It's a book called Following Jesus. It's going to help you take your next steps. And I want to talk to you. Um, the people have been responding to these, man, I've been sending text messages and call, even met with a few of you over coffee. I want to do everything that I can to help you take your next steps with your walk with God.